uh, special things for the kids that day. And uh, so I want to encourage you, be here for the Heart for the House uh, series next week, as well as uh, the Heart for the House banquet that's on Monday, and uh, Monday evening. And if you have not yet uh, picked up your tickets, you can do that today in the lobby. Uh, the tickets are available for the banquet on Monday the 8th. And uh, this morning we are in our final week of our Creatures of Habit series, and this is the final uh, installment. And uh, week one, we learned that there is reward in the what? Routine or power of same is what we learned about in week number one. And uh, week number two, we learned that the problem sometimes is the pattern. And uh, if you don't like your product in life, maybe it's because your pattern needs to be adjusted, your pattern needs to be changed. And last week we saw that sometimes this whole process will take a while. And uh, it'll, it'll take a little bit of time, but it's always worth your while. And today we're going to look at the final install, installment of this series, Practice Makes Permanent. And uh, our habits are so powerful because they will either propel us into the future that God has for us, or they'll pull at our heels to bring us back. And uh, we've kind of seen some uh, practical principles uh, throughout this series. And uh, this morning I want to look at kind of a practical picture of what that looks like from Daniel chapter uh, number 6 kind of a behind-the-scenes look at, at this lifestyle. So Daniel chapter number 6, the Bible says this in verse number 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts to them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred, everybody say preferred, preferred. above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault. For as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Verse number five. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Verse number 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house. He went into his house, and his chambers being open, or in, excuse me, and his windows being open in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Aforetime. This was a routine that Daniel had established. This was, this was a pattern that he had put into his life. This was not his first time to pray. This was what he did aforetime. This was his routine. And uh, this morning, let's look to Daniel chapter 6 and learn some principles that I believe will be a help to us. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for this day you've given us. And uh, God, thank you for this opportunity to come and, and uh, learn from your word. And uh, God, I pray that we can look to uh, the example of Daniel and uh, God be encouraged and challenged this morning. And uh, God, I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit to give me the words to say. And uh, God, I pray that we can just uh, leave here a little bit differently because of what we've learned. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, growing up, periodically, my dad would take uh, me and my brother out golfing, and uh, we had a lot of good memories on the golf course, a lot of good conversations that happened on the golf course, and uh, I remember one particular morning, uh, we were on vacation, and uh, my dad said, hey, 
Larry and Matt, let's, let's go to the practice range and, and hit some practice golf balls. And so uh, we went to the practice range, and before we got out of the cart, uh, my dad said, all right, now, now golf is a gentleman's sport, and uh, you need to make sure that you're not being silly, you're not being too loud, and we were both real young at the time. And uh, he said, uh, don't be a distraction to the other golfers around, you know, don't be making loud noises, you know, and uh, we had to dress a certain way and act a certain way. And so we said, okay, yes, sir, okay. And uh, we kind of just uh, sat there and we watched uh, my dad and I watched him uh, take a ball and he, and he teed up the ball and uh, we were going to just kind of watch him hit some practice balls. And uh, he was not loose yet, he was not warmed up yet, but he took his golf club and he swung as hard as he possibly could and made solid contact with that ball. The only problem was the ball went immediately to his left and it kind of rocketed out to his left and it was a line drive heading straight for a practice green that was about 100 yards away. And I'm kind of watching this happen in slow motion thinking like, what is going to happen here? And the ball goes and it nails some guy right in the leg and uh, he, he falls down on the ground and I'm just watching this. My eyes are huge and I'm like, this is not good, but kind of hilarious at the same time. But I know that I'm not going to laugh because I'm going to get in trouble. And, you know, I'm kind of thinking, like, what are we going to do? Are we going to go and say sorry and, and see if this guy's okay? And my dad looks at us and says, hurry, get in the cart. We got to go. <laughs> and uh, I'm like in elementary. I'm like, Dad, is this a hit and run? Like, what are we doing here? You know, and, uh, and uh, my dad said, let's go. And uh, I remember the rest of that vacation. Uh, my dad did not go back to the practice range, um, but I did. I went a few times, and, and I remember that vacation just practicing, practicing, and I didn't know how to golf. I didn't know what I was doing, but I just wanted to practice and practice, and uh, not too long after that, my dad thought that it would be a good idea for me to get a golf lesson, and I was thinking, you need the golf lesson, not me, uh, but uh, he, he said, go ahead and uh, get this lesson. I remember getting a golf lesson, and uh, my instructor kind of stood across from me, and he said, you need to have your feet like this, and you need to have your grip on the club like this, and you need to swing like this, and I remember thinking I had been doing it all wrong. Uh, this whole time I had been practicing and practicing, but I had been doing it the wrong way. And I learned that practice does not make perfect. Practice makes permanent. Practice only makes perfect if your form is good, if you're doing it the right way. And when it comes to our habits, whether they're healthy or destructive, what you repeatedly practice will eventually become permanent. And throughout the series, we're not talking about just making some temporary adjustments in your life that can kind of just help for a little bit. The Bible requires and the Bible talks about how we can have permanent transformation. What we practice will eventually become permanent. And so this morning in your notes, I want to give you four principles that can set the trajectory uh, of your habits to some permanent transformation. Number one in our notes this morning is this. Daily practices lead to divine promotion. Daily practices lead to divine promotion. Notice verse number one. The Bible says this. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom. Daniel chapter number 6 is kind of a new era uh, uh, in world history. Daniel's chapter number 1 through 5 was the Babylonian rule, the Babylonian empire uh, led by kings Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. Well, because of uh, their sin, basically, and because of a series of, of different events, uh, they, that uh, kingdom, the Babylonian empire, was destroyed. And now it is the Medo-Persian empire in Daniel chapter number 6. And so there's uh, new leadership coming in. Darius is the new king. And this is a whole new Era. And you would think that because this is a new time, and this is the Medo-Persian Empire, and because uh, King Darius is now in rule, that he'd want to uh, get rid of any Babylonian leader that would have been there previously. Uh, that would have been Daniel. Uh, but instead, interestingly enough, Daniel is actually being promoted in this new kingdom. Notice verse number two. It says this, And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first, that uh, that, that Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. And so Daniel is here in this new uh, kingdom where most of the Babylonian rulers were gone or destroyed. And instead of him being uh, kicked out, he's actually being promoted. 
And uh, Daniel is one of those people that it didn't really matter where he was or who he was with or what circumstance he was in. He always seemed to have success. He always seemed to be moving forward. And uh, have you ever met someone that just seemed to be good at everything? Uh, they just, anything that they, that they tried, they excelled in. And uh, we see Daniel here, and he's moving forward, and he's being promoted in this new kingdom. And many times what looks effortless is usually the result of doing something over and over for a long time. And it, we could look at this story and be like, man, Daniel's just lucky. He's getting promoted in this new kingdom, when in all actuality, uh, Daniel uh, was being promoted because of his faithfulness. Notice verse number four. It says this, Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was, what's the next word? Faithful. Now, I don't know about you when you picture the story of Daniel in the lion's den, but growing up, I remember being in Sunday school and seeing the flannel graph and, you know, seeing the little picture of Daniel, and uh, he always looked like uh, a nice guy, maybe in his uh, late 20s, early 30s, you know, kind of a, a relatively young man. But in all actuality, in, in this text, in the Daniel in the lion's den, in Daniel chapter number 6, Daniel is in his late 80s, early 90s. And I don't know if that messes up your visualization of the Daniel in the lion's den, but Daniel was an old man. And they, they are promoting people, and they're, they're saying, hey, okay, okay, who are we going to set in, in, in charge in this new kingdom? Let's get some new leadership. And then they choose Daniel because Daniel had been faithful for a long time. He had been proven trustworthy and proven reliable for 80-plus years. Daniel was a creature of habit. And whether you realize it or not, we're all creatures of habit. We spend, I read some st statistics recently, we spend about five hours a week on Netflix. Five hours a week. That's, that's 10 days a year are just given to Netflix. 18 to 35-year-olds spend about 3.8 hours a day on social media. We average about five hours a day watching TV. And uh, Duke University did a study where about, uh, they, they concluded that about 40% of our actions, 40% of our time on a daily basis is habitual. And that's a staggering statistic, that 40% of everything that we do is habitual. We're not even conscious that we're doing it. It's just kind of, we're, we're in motion. That's just what, what we do, habitual. And that's a scary statistic because the scope of your life is determined by the substance of your days. See, it's the daily patterns, it's the daily things that we do that will determine and alter the course of our life. And in his book, uh, The Power of Habit, Charles Duhigg, he, he talks about uh, what he calls keystone habits. And he says there are certain habits in your life that uh, are relatively small things, but they, they alter the course of your life. And one small habit can trigger another habit and uh, kind of have this ripple effect on, on the habits in your life. And he says uh, certain keystone habits are different for people, but some could be just making your bed in the morning. And if you make your bed in the morning, that could be a keystone habit that has a ripple effect uh, in other areas. And I thought about that, and I thought, spiritually, what are some keystone habits when it comes to our walk with God? When it comes to our, our spiritual lives, what are some keystone habits? And, and I think the best example that we can look to when it comes to this is Jesus. Uh, the Bible says this in Luke chapter number 4, verse 16, it says this, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was... As his custom was, this is what he repeatedly did. This was a habit. This was a routine. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. This would have been our equivalent of church attendance. This was, this was Jesus' habit. This was his custom to be faithful in church, in church, forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together. This would have been a spiritual keystone habit for Jesus. The Bible says in Luke 22, verse 39 and 40, And he came out and went, and as he was 
want. And I read that word want, and I, and I wonder what that meant. In the, in the Greek, it's the word etho, and that means tradition or custom. So as his custom was to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him, and when he was at the place, he said unto them, pray that ye enter not into temptation. So Jesus set a keystone habit of church attendance. That was his custom. Uh, we, we see here in this verse that it was his custom to pray as he was in want. It was his tradition. It was his custom that he made a, a habit, a routine out of praying. And, and there's a third one in Mark chapter 10, verse 1. And, and he arose from thence and cometh into the coast of Judea by the farther side of Jordan, and the people resort unto him again. And as he was wont, there's that word again, Greek word etho, meaning tradition or custom, he taught them again. And so now we see a picture of Jesus teaching and sharing the gospel. And so in those three verses, we see that Jesus was a creature of habit and that Jesus had some keystone habits, church attendance, prayer, and sharing the gospel. And those were things that Jesus repeatedly did as his custom was, as his custom was. This morning, I wonder what's your custom? What are, what are the things, the daily practices, the little things that you are doing on a daily basis? What, what, what is your custom? I wonder maybe what are the spiritual disciplines that we're neglecting? Because it's the daily practices that will lead to divine promotion. See, Daniel wasn't just promoted because he was lucky. He was promoted because of the daily practices and his, his faithfulness. He was proven reliable. Luke chapter 16, verse 10 says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. See, genuine success is not accidental, it's methodical. It's the little things, it's the daily practices. I read about uh, some engineers in the 1840s, they were trying to get a bridge over Niagara Falls. They wanted to have a bridge that uh, connected uh, the American side to the Canadian side, and they were having trouble figuring out how they could get a rope across this to start this bridge building process. And uh, they couldn't, uh, they didn't have helicopters during this time. The water was too dangerous to try to swim across. And so what the engineers decided to do was to hold a kite flying contest. Uh, and whoever could uh, successfully fly a kite over to the Canadian side uh, and grab that, grab that string, they would receive a prize. And it was a $10 prize that, that you would win. And so uh, in 1847, they, they held this kite flying contest. And there was an American teenage boy uh, named uh, uh, Walsh. And uh, his name was Homan Walsh, and he uh, flew this kite over, and he successfully made it, and they grabbed that string. Well, the next day, uh, they tied a wire to that string, and they pulled that across. The next day, they tied another, or, or after that, they tied another wire to that and pulled that across. Then they tied a rope to it and pulled that across. And then they pulled uh, some cable on that and pulled that across. And the whole bridge was built by one string. The entire bridge was made possible because one string came across. Horace Mann said this, Habits are like a cable. We weave a strand of them every day, and eventually it can't be broken. See, it starts in the little things, the small things, the daily practices. One string can build a bridge. It starts in the small areas, the daily things that often we neglect. See, many times we focus on the uh, monumental while we forsake the mundane. We focus on the big things, but we neglect the daily practices and the daily routines. And Daniel was promoted here because of his daily practices. Notice number two, the second thought this morning is this. Your opportunities will flow from your outlook. Your opportunities will flow from your outlook. The Bible says this in verse number three. Then this Daniel was preferred, everybody say preferred, of the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. See, he was promoted because of his faithfulness, but he was preferred because of his excellent spirit. He was promoted because of his reliability, but he was preferred because of his attitude, his outlook on life. 
And you could think, you know, some people are just kind of born with, with a positive outlook. And uh, some people, that's just kind of their demeanor. They're just always happy. They're, 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 they're people that are positive and half glass full type of people. And, you know, Daniel was just one of those people. He was just kind of born with a good attitude. And I would say, no, Daniel had an excellent spirit because he put it there. If anybody had the right to complain, if anybody had the right to not have an excellent spirit, it was Daniel. I mean, think about Daniel chapter number one. He was torn away from his family. He was kidnapped. He was uh, indoctrinated, forced to learn new things. He was forced to uh, try new things and learn new languages and, and uh, away from his family, away from his friends. And he was, he was in a terrible situation. But Daniel said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and choose to have an excellent spirit. His purpose was, excuse me, his perspective was not connected to his pain. It was connected to his purpose. See, Daniel chose to have an excellent spirit. He, he chose to put an excellent spirit within himself. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. And see, many times why our habits and our routines don't last, and it's because we don't have the right kind of attitude to sustain those habits. And today, if there's negativity in your heart, there can't possibly be positivity in your life. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And if there's negativity in your heart, you can't have positivity in your life. And Daniel said, I'm going to choose to have an excellent spirit. And many times in life, our outlook is based on three things, one of three things. Our outlook is based on self, situation, or stuff. Uh, if, we're, if we're doing good, if we're happy, I'll have an excellent spirit. If my situation's okay, I'll have an excellent spirit. If I have what I need and what I want, then I'll have an excellent spirit. But the Bible has an interesting verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 2 that says this. A man to whom God hath given riches, wealth, and honor, so that he wanteth nothing for his soul of all that he desireth, yet God giveth him not the power to eat thereof. But if a stranger eateth it, this is vanity, and it is an evil disease. And that verse is so interesting because uh, it says that we can have everything that we would want in life, wanting nothing for his soul, all that he desireth, riches and wealth and honor, yet God giveth him not the power to eat thereof. And what that verse is saying is you can have Everything in life that you want, you can have stuff, satisfaction, you, 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 you can have stuff and your circumstances are good and your situation is good, but not have the ability to enjoy it, not have the ability to be satisfied. Uh, I remember not too long ago, uh, Katie and I were going to go to uh, the Red Robin to have lunch, and uh, it's the simple things in life for me. I really enjoy the Red Robin, and uh, I enjoy eating their bottomless fries, and if you don't know this about Red Robin, you can go there and you can order some french fries, and they're bottomless. That means you can have as many as you want, and that's a blessing for me, okay? And uh, I remember not too long ago, we went to Red Robin, and uh, I was looking forward to getting some bottomless fries, and uh, on the way to the restaurant, I yawned pretty big, and my jaw kind of popped a little bit, and that never happened before, and uh, it was starting to hurt, and my jaw, I couldn't open my mouth, and it was kind of the weirdest thing, my jaw was just kind of stuck, and I, I, I couldn't open my mouth, and I was trying, and every time I'd try, it kind of hurt a little bit, and it would kind of pop a little bit. And I said, it's okay, we're going to power through this. And we went uh, to Red Robin, and we sat down at the table, and uh, we ordered some bottomless fries. I'm trying to, like, slide these french fries in my mouth, but I can't open my mouth. And it was, it was the most ter terrible situation because I had an endless supply of french fries, bottomless french fries, and as much as I wanted, but I didn't have the a power or the ability to enjoy it. I couldn't, I couldn't partake. I couldn't, I couldn't take them. And that verse in Ecclesiastes says, you can have everything that you want in life, everything that you need in life, and still not have the power or the ability to enjoy it. And Daniel said, I'm not going to base my outlook on myself. I'm not going to base it on my situation. I'm not going to base it on stuff, what I have. I'm going to go ahead and just choose to have an excellent spirit. I'm going to have a positive outlook. And because of that outlook, he was preferred. He was promoted because he was reliable. He was preferred because of his outlook. 
The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, Do all things without murmurings and disputings. 1 Corinthians 10.10 says, Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Charles Spurgeon said, As long as a man is alive and out of hell, he has no cause to complain. And I thought about that, and I thought, so many times our situation will dictate our spirit. And so many times we'll complain over the circumstances in our lives. And Daniel said, I'm going to go ahead and just have an excellent spirit. Notice the third thought this morning is this, where there is routine, there will be resistance. Where there is routine, there will be resistance. Verse number four says this, Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Verse five, Then said these men, We shall not find occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. And so now we come to the part in the text where there is some resistance. There are some people that are jealous of Daniel, that, that don't like that he's being promoted and preferred, and so they want to uh, get him off track. And where there is routine, there will always be resistance. And uh, I told you the story just a moment ago about the uh, Niagara Falls kite flying contest and that home and Walsh teenage boy. He flew successfully his kite across that, and uh, he got the string across. Well, he didn't get it on the first time. In fact, there, will, there, were, there were several attempts where he flew it across, and his kite broke, and the string broke. And in fact, one time his kite uh, broke and landed on the Canadian side, and he went over to retrieve it. And because of the snow and ice, he ended up being stuck on the Canadian side for over eight days. And uh, just a teenage boy, he stuck over there for eight days, and eventually the snow and the ice cleared up, and he was able to retrieve that kite and go back, and then he had his successful kite flying opportunity. But see, where there is routine or resolutions, there will always be resistance. And now Daniel comes to uh, a difficult moment in his life because now people are against him, and there's going to be some resistance that, he, that he's up against. And there was all these people, the presidents and the princes, that go and, and they, they desperately want to find something wrong with Daniel. They're, they're thinking, we've got to find something that we can use against him, trap him up. And so, you know, they're, they're going in, they're spying on him, they're bugging his car and putting cameras up because they want to catch him uh, doing something wrong. And, and it says that, what did they find? Nothing. They couldn't find anything. I wonder, could you survive that kind of scrutiny? If someone came and was desperately trying, or over 120 people came and they were desperately trying to find a mistake or something to trip you up, what, what would they find? And Daniel survived that kind of scrutiny. Philippians 2 verse 15 says this, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Proverbs 15 verse 3 says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. And Daniel had just an outstanding testimony. They were trying every which way to trip him up, and what can we find against him? How can we destroy him? And he had a good testimony. And just like the enemy was trying to find something to trap Daniel and trying to trip him up, the devil is seeking to do the same in your life today. The Bible says the devil is seeking whom he may devour. He's looking in your life, trying to find a weak point, trying to find something that'll get you off track. Those, re those resolutions that you made and these, these uh, routines that you've established, he's desperately trying to knock you off track. Because where there is routine, there will be resistance. And maybe you made some great decisions at the beginning of this series, or maybe you made some great resolutions at the beginning of the year, but already they're faltering a little bit. Already they're, they're proving to be a little bit more difficult and not as easy as you an anticipated. But now is not the time to give up or to give in. Now is the time to meet that resistance with resilience and go ahead and just keep on going. And Daniel here is, is meeting this resistance, we'll see, with resilience. And, and I thought about that. How could he do that? 
What was the secret? I believe it was in Daniel chapter 1, verse number 8. It says this, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. See, all the way back in Daniel chapter number 1, when he was a teenager, he did something. He purposed in his heart. See, Daniel made a predecision. He said, when, when temptation comes and when difficulty comes, I'm purposing in my heart now as a young person that I'm not going to give in to that. I'm not going to give in to that resistance. I'm purposing in my heart. And see, strength under fire is usually a result of conditioning when it's calm. The Bible says this in verse number 6. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents in, of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man uh, for 30 days, say, thee, O king, shall be cast into uh, the den of lions. And so they, they, they looked at Daniel's life and they said, we can't find anything wrong. He, he, he has a good testimony. There's nothing uh, negative that we can find about his life. But we do know one thing. We've noticed that he is faithful in his routines when it comes to praying to his God. We, we, we do know that he takes his God very seriously, and so maybe we can trap him this way. Verse number uh, 8. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing, that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. By the way, uh, the king terribly regretted this decision to sign this. Verse number 9 says, uh, Wherefore the king uh, Darius signed the writing and the decree, and that was a choice that he regretted. Be very careful of the counsel that you receive in life. Be very careful who you let steer in your life and make decisions because the King Darius, re he regretted this uh, deeply that he signed uh, this decree. Not all counsel is good counsel. The Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 19, verse 11. Surely the princes of Zoan are fools. The counsel of the wise counselors of Pharaoh is become brutish or foolish. Not all counsel that we receive is good counsel. Notice verse number 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Notice the fourth thought this morning will be done. Public victory emerges from private discipline. Public victory emerges from private discipline. You know the story. Uh, an incredible miracle takes place. Uh, Daniel continues to pray, and uh, he gets thrown into a pit of lions. And uh, Darius' heart is broken, and... Uh, uh, he, he loves Daniel, and, and, and if you'll notice in verse number 20, if you skip down a little bit and notice verse 20, it says this, And he came to the lion's den, or came to the den, and he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, I have done, have I done no hurt. And so it's an amazing victory, an amazing miracle. Daniel is untouched in the lion's den. It's a great story. But I believe that the toughest battle was found in verse number 10. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed and he went ahead and prayed anyways. See, Daniel based his decisions not on external pressure, but on internal principle. And all of us in life base our decisions either on external pressure or internal principle what people are going to pressure and influence us and kind of try to convince us to do, or are we going to make decisions on internal principle based on God's word? And so now it's illegal to pray, and Daniel says, I'm going to go ahead and just pray anyways. I wonder if it was illegal to pray, would you continue praying? 
Would you pray if everything was on the line? Here's a better question. Do you pray when nothing is on the line? See, there's a story in 2 Samuel where uh, David, uh, his son Absalom, dies. And uh, Absalom, uh, he dies, and David, this was a heartbreaking moment for him. And David says, oh, Absalom, Absalom, my son. And he said, I would have died for you. And that's a big statement. Absalom, I would have died in your place. But the reality was, while Absalom was living, David wanted nothing to do with Absalom. Absalom desperately tried to get his father's attention, but David wouldn't talk to him. In fact, Absalom lit a field on fire so his father would talk to him, and David wasn't there for him. And, and David said, I'm willing to die for you, but he wasn't willing to live for him while he was there. And many people want to say, I'll pray if everything was on the line, but they don't pray now. Many people say, you know, I, I would die for Christ, but they don't live for him. And Daniel said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and do this, but it wasn't the first time that I'm going to do this. I'm not going to pray for the first time. I'm going to do this as I did a four time. It was a routine. It was something that he had already established, already put into place. If you want to perform under pressure, then practice when it's peaceful. See, Daniel was able to make this decision because it's what he did a four time. He was a creature of habit. Psalms 55, verse 17 says, Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He made prayer a habit. Notice verse number 10. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his, his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. He, he, he praised God. Not only did he pray, but now he's praising. The Bible says this, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And Daniel had this excellent spirit. He was able to not only pray continually, but now he's praising God and thanking him in spite of his circumstance. Public victory was the result of private discipline. And this morning, if you want to make some healthy habits permanent, if you want to make some healthy habits permanent, if you want to turn off your autopilot, so to speak, and develop some new patterns, just remember these things. Daily practices lead to divine promotion. Our, promo our opportunities will flow from our outlook. Where there is routine, there will be resistance, and public victory emerges from private discipline. I want you to notice one more thing will be done this morning. If you've got your Bible open to Daniel chapter 6, I wanted to show you two quick verses, and we'll be finished. Verse number 16, verse 16, it says this. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said, Daniel, thy God whom thou servest continually. Everybody say continually. Continually. He will deliver thee. Now notice verse 20. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said unto Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually. Everybody say continually able to deliver thee from the lions. And I love that Darius says that twice, whom thou servest continually. And if you look up that word in the Hebrew, continually, its primary definition is this, permanence. What he repeatedly practiced became permanent. He was able to continually live for God and continually do these things, and there was permanent transformation. And I believe this morning that throughout this series, God wants to do a permanent work in your life. God wants you to make some decisions and make some routines that aren't just temporary adjustments, but that is permanent transformation. And you can think, how can I do this? How can I have daily practices like Daniel? And how can I be faithful in the little things? And how can I be faithful in those small areas that often are so easy to overlook? The Bible says this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this very thing that 
he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. See, practice, what we repeatedly practice will become permanent. Let's bow our heads this morning and close our eyes. We've learned a lot of valuable lessons throughout this series.